We are Spry, a group of remote digital marketers who want you to succeed beyond your wildest dreams. Our curiosity drives us to constant learning, and that learning leads to constant teaching. So come along with us on the Spry Space podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and do it all wherever we want. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spry Space Podcast. I'm Lacey, and today I have the wonderful Miss Adrian with me. Hello, everyone. How are you doing this evening, Adrian? I am great. Zero to five, five being amazing, zero being horrible. I would say I'm at a three and a half. That's pretty good. Not quite four, but yeah, I yeah, I have something delicious to eat for dinner. I made homemade curry. Um, Yum. And... I'm very proud of it. So I'm going to eat that. Made some good cookies over the weekend. I just have some good things to eat and I'm excited. (laughs) That's all. That's the thing that makes me the most excited. And so that's probably why you chose to share it with me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, today we've got kind of an interesting topic. Um, We've been talking all month long about the social dilemma. We've talked a little bit about kind of our general reactions to it, about what social media managers can do about it, about what individuals can do about it. And this week is our last week focusing on the social dilemma. And we're talking specifically about legislation, basically. We're talking about government and what kind of things um, we can do legislatively in order to help fix the problems in the social dilemma. So are you ready for that? I am so ready. Okay. I'm so stoked. Well, why don't we start with uh, the GDPR? Okay. So as we started looking through and thinking and studying what kind of things we could talk about that would be useful in this conversation, one of the things brought up was the GDPR. So can you walk us through just kind of an introduction of what the GDPR is for those of us who maybe haven't had any experience with it yet? Yeah. The GDPR is basically a law. It's called, well, it's GDPR stands for the General Data Protection Regulation. And it's an EU, so European Union wide law that protects all Europeans um, in regards to the processing of their personal data. So, um, and it also, you know, talks about, you know, the free movement of personal data is generally what it is. So, you know, a lot of this came to head, what, maybe a year and a half ago or so mm-hmm. when this law was passed in the EU and any citizens from the EU have to be protected um, by this law. So, for instance, you know, we've got a couple of companies that we work with who um, have international customers. And so if you're serving internationally, you have to be able to follow GDPR rules properly um, or you could receive a pretty mm-hmm. heavy fine. Is that correct? Yeah, Indeed. And, you know, it's funny as I was just looking out of the corner of my eye to look at my notes and I was going to say that it has extraterrestrial scope, but that's not true. It's extraterritorial scope. Oh, I wish it was extraterrestrial. It's like if you're on Mars, you got to follow this rule. I know that. I mean, aliens need to be following the GDPR. They can't just be keeping our data willy nilly. 
No. So the extraterrestrials need to also follow this. But, but anyway. extraterritorial, that means yes. like other countries have to be exactly. have to actually follow this rule too. For example, Google. All right. So Google was, uh, I believe, fined the highest fine ever from the from the e- or European Union. Why are we having a hard time saying EU? I don't it's know. It's hard to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Google got in trouble with the EU for not being uh, transparent and keeping French citizens data. And they had a, I believe it was a, it was a millions of dollar that had the largest fine uh, in history of the GDPR. Wow. Basically what it is, is the EU wants to make sure that any European citizens' private data is kept private. Um, it it kind of like when we were talking before in our podcast, we talked a little bit about running experiments and how, you know, hum- experiments with human subjects, you have to be very, very clear about what kind of data you're collecting, when you're collecting it, and where it's going to be stored. Yes. Uh, you know, all that sort of information. And so basically the GDPR requires companies who keep and store European citizens' data to have a much higher level of security and basically definition of like, you know, we're going to be collecting uh, location data when people are at Starbucks, let's just say. I don't know. Um, but they can't just start collecting collecting you know, location data willy-nilly. Does that make sense? So it's a much more clear way of saying this is the data that we're going to collect. Do you agree? Yes. You know, do you agree or do you approve of having this data collected? Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's something that is quite a bit ahead of what anybody in the United States is doing from a governing standpoint, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Yep. What's wrong with us? Why why do you think we're we're not um why do you think as a country we're not ahead of these issues we're even behind comparatively to other uh regions of the world Honestly I think I think what is what it is is that private companies really really do not want to get into the business of in any way uh managing free speech um Mm. europe europe is a lot more they're a lot more uh invested in privacy than the united states uh different uh, kind of economic goals in the in europe um but but i think that i think businesses really do not want to kind of be in the business of you know well they don't want rules first of all (laughs) no business wants more rules right (laughs) i mean but then beyond that they don't want to be um you know they don't want to be the people that you know okay what kind of data can we collect what kind of data can't we collect they don't really want to be making those choices because they don't want to be pissing off somebody and then being sued for you know infringing you know, an infringement of freedom, freedom of speech, uh, if if that possibly could happen. Um, but back to what I was saying, money is expensive. <laughs> it is expensive. I mean, if you think about it, think about all the data we were talking about from the social dilemma, all that data that they are grabbing and processing and categorizing and they have in their algorithms and it just kind of, it's processed very quickly. But add on top of that, layers of... More layers of encryption, more layers of, of basically 
figuring out, okay, is this data, can we keep this or can we not keep this? It's it's kind of like um, deep sea fishing, right? Oh yeah, when you're when you're getting when you're grabbing things from the bottom of the ocean, so much easier to cast out your net and just grab everything and then sort through it and get what you want. It's so much easier and more cost eff- effective. However, is it healthier for the ocean? No. What so what the GDPR is basically saying is saying, all right, you better know exactly what you're getting and why you're getting it and have a really good reason to get it. And what you do get, you need to keep safe. And so you got to, you know, fish for only tuna or fish for only salmon, or you better be fishing for only this. And if we catch you not keeping it all safe or not following the rules, we will fine you a lot of money. And it doesn't matter if the company is based in Europe or not. So, you know, Instagram, Facebook, any of those companies that are based in the U.S. but have pe- users. But are yes. serving mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm. Yep. users in other yeah. countries. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's money. A lot of it is money, isn't it? it? Is money. You know, when, when you're answering most fervently to shareholders, your priority is almost never going to be the mental health of your users. Right, exactly. Exactly. You mean I don't see I don't see Hosh's cupcakes, you know, working to add more uh, more natural ingredients to their products either. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's a very interesting. Law. But I do like a good Hostess cupcake. Yeah. No. no cu- yeah. Hostess cupcakes are so good. Um, but in balance. Yeah. And I know exactly what's inside all of them. <laughs> and that has been regulated by our government properly. So at least I'm making an affor- uninformed decision about my health. Right. There you go. There you go. Exactly. It almost is like, um, imagine in 20 years, maybe we'll have a pop-up. Like when you open up Facebook, it's like, warning, this is hazardous to your health. Consuming more than 25 minutes of this content will give you a dopamine right. uh, uh, deficit. Uh, uh, yeah. You know? The same way as like smoking cigarettes. Exactly. Exactly, Lacey. I think you put the nail on the head there. I mean, uh, I was actually thinking when we were talking about this and about kind of the effect on society that social media has, I was actually thinking of of the smoke, yeah, uh, tobacco, when basically, you know, big tobacco, it went through the courts. And they, they were forced to, you know, stop advertising in certain ways. And, you know, they, there's all these rules about how you can advertise to, to people. You can't advertise to kids. You can't, you know, there's so many rules now. And now nobody, I mean, smoking rates are dropped off. So, yeah, as I'm very, it's. We'll get to vape later. We'll give us give us a decade. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to vape, I know, I know. You know? I mean, we <laughs> humans, we always find new and exciting ways to ruin our bodies. It doesn't hurt matter. ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, yeah. So that's that's a good look at the GDPR. So that kind of gives us a little bit of a lens of you know what we could be striving for a little bit more mm-hmm. here. You know, quite a bit more transparency, quite a bit more accountability, um, strict rules in regards to what fines will happen if people go, if not people really, if organizations go against the the regulations that are set forth. So you know that's probably something that we're going to be pushing more and more towards yeah. modeling in this yep. country. Yeah, and in our country, the um, the body that actually puts into place any of these regulations is the FCC. Okay. So that's the federal communications commission. Yep. So, 
Um, the FCC basically puts into action any of the laws that are passed in Congress about anything communication related. Okay. So uh, the Congress passes that there can't be these swear words or this type of nudity or, um, you know, these types of topics discussed on cable TV between these and these hours because we're limiting the impact of children being exposed to content that you wouldn't want them exposed to, right? Mm -hmm. So then the FCC is the organization that actually makes sure that those rules are followed and, you know, puts out the um, the fines if they're not followed, etc. Yep. So the FCC seems like a really, really easy place for us to be able to kind of focus and have some influence on if we were going to be able to make a real difference yep. in this. I, I went through as we were preparing for the podcast and I looked at everybody who were commissioners on um, the board of the FCC and almost all of them have law degrees, mm -hmm. but very few few of them have any experience in IT specifically, right. Mm -hmm. right? And so they might have, you know, they have goals that are highly focused on increasing access and decreasing the digital divide, but there's very little focus on accountability for uh, internet companies or IT companies or, you know, media, online media organizations. So I think that that's a place that will likely hopefully see some big yeah. changes. And those positions, the FCC board and the all the commissioners, all of the people in the FCC who run the FCC are actually appointed by the president and then approved through Congress. So it would be really interesting to see, you know, over the next decade or so, if we can get some people appointed into these positions that have a stronger tech background so that they really actually can comprehend the mass amounts of data and the, and and all of the things that people who do not have an education in tech have no way of even close to comprehending what's happening yeah. behind the scenes at some of these bigger tech exactly. companies. Exactly. I mean, I appreciate lawyers, honestly. I think I think law is fascinating. I actually, in, a, in, a, in another life, or maybe when I retire, I might just get my law degree because I just feel like it because it fascinates me. Um, I think so too. That's one that I have kind of a back, yeah. uh, back of my mind goal as well. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I so I appreciate I appreciate lawyers and and their efforts. Um, however, lawyers and, and people who have studied law probably look at social media and they see the inherent privacy concerns. They see they see how you are, um, you know revealing yourself online you know i kind of feel like it's just a basic like, like like a business advice is never write anything down that you don't want to have printed on the front cover of the newspaper sure so, so they probably understand that so well yeah they do but however um it's kind of similar to some people in it that i know they understand um, you know, maybe the IT, the security, the legal ramifications, you know, ways to expose yourself to like lawsuits and this they and that. They see it so much as a like a threat or a risk, high risk, right? Social media could be high risk. So I would imagine there's probably a lot of lawyers who don't even have social media ever. 
Right. Right. So they don't they don't even have personal exactly, experience because with it. I mean, it would be interesting to see the rates of like different kind of people and professional groups and their use of social media. I would bet you that people in IT and in law have lower rates of using, using social media than, you know, other people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I'm just conjecturing here. However, I'm just all the lawyers I know um, see social media as a type of risk. So. However, I mean, that's great that they have those thinking caps on. However, for their personal lives, for their personal lives. Exactly. But people who create laws and guidance on social media have to understand the human use of it. They have to understand it. How people are really actually interacting with this product. Because they can't, you know, they can't make any rules on it if they don't fully understand like how pervasive it is, how the scope of it is the scale. I I just I I worry that many folks in in the process in the position of of making laws and rules around our social media don't fully have the scope. Like they haven't wrapped their head around the scope because honestly, no one really has the scope wrapped around their head except for maybe Mark Zuckerberg and people at Google. So. <laughs> Right. Which is why I think, you know, when we brought up the social dilemma as a general topic, the fact that there were many people who were, you know, directors of growth and presidents of some of these companies who were coming out to say, like, this needs more regulation. This must have more regulation. Not only is this addictive, it's dangerous for these many different ways. Like, I do think that there needs to very quickly in the next decade, there needs to be a place for people like that yep. in these these regulatory bodies, because otherwise we don't have enough experience within these regulatory bodies to do anything that's going to make real exactly. impact. Yep, you're right. So... That moves us from the FCC kind of to our United States Congress, right? Any actual legislation that's going to pass will come through Congress. So as we're thinking about what's going on in Congress right now, um, they showed clips through the social dilemma of some of the um, some of the people in the documentary actually speaking in Congress. And it was pretty funny as we're watching. It has like, you know, the little notes at the bottom of the screen that says, um, this is the subcommittee on communications, technology, innovation, and the internet. I'm like, <laughs> we're crap, like everything. We have one subcommittee <laughs> for these four categories. Like, couldn't like <laughs> couldn't we possibly have some subcommittees that are focused a little bit more on social media specifically? You know, if there could be a social media a specific subcommittee where we can actually drill down into some of these issues about mental health, some of these issues about what youth are experiencing on social media. The same way that the FCC regulates uh, what kind of content can be served on Saturday mornings, you know, that's the way that they kind of put it in the documentary is, you know, they highly regulated what content was being shown on Saturday morning TV because that's when youth were more likely to be watching it. But we've got to get some better regulations in place some more focused attention towards what our youth are experiencing on social media and take everything that they've been experiencing over the past decade and let's amplify it exponentially by the pandemic where we're talking kindergartners preschoolers are starting their zoom training 
and and can be I hear parents talk about how during their Zoom yeah. calls, right? You can the kids are chatting, you know, they're on like the Zoom chat on the side and these are our kindergartners, our first graders, our second graders who are being exposed to this kind of stuff at the for the first time ever and, and yeah. at an exponential yeah. rate. So uh, I'm a little concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I am very concerned and I I mean I'm so glad that we watched the social dilemma and I'm glad that we're talking through this. Um I I do think that there has to be several kind of layers of uh, modes of attack almost. Um, one way is that actually Spry, we've been doing it for years now, is educating, going into schools and talking to kids about social media and how it works. So we need to, you know, come at it from our, you know, the, the kids but then we also need to educate the parents and then we also need to educate the lawmakers and and so yeah it's kind of like this this uh there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of like holes we need to plug with our fingers in the dam you know <laughs> or the like, little like you know got got our you know gotta just which 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 where do we where do we go first but but you know what you know what makes that whole plugging easier? More more hands. Okay? Like, I think that the implementation of the social dilemma and as much discussion as it's caused among peers and individuals has brought this kind of awakening to the understanding of the issues at hand. Even if people don't understand it fully, at least there's much more conversations happening about this. And the more people that we have talking, the more people will start demanding change and the more education will happen among Congress and and regulations will start to come about. But it is I mean, it is a process. It's not going to happen very soon. No. Although, Lacey, you know, if we can move to the next kind of point that we were talking about, but uh, currently, I mean, California and Nevada, two states have passed their own data privacy laws. Uh, California, so so basically, though, what's going to happen is currently businesses like Google or Facebook or, I mean, a- any business that has traffic from those countries and collects data from people who live in those countries have to ensure and track and provide compliance, you know, compliance and proof that they have done this um, in order to not be fined. So, I mean, Europe is a huge part of the world. So that's going to affect a lot of people, Mm -hmm. even in the United States. Just because you're not in Europe does not mean you're not going to be affected. Um, And then California and Nevada. And so now if you are a California business or you deal with people, you know, clients, and you keep accounts and names and information and data from people in California, you have to have an extra layer of security information and tracking recorded. And so what's what's likely to happen is businesses will see this coming and say, okay, well, we have to have this level for California. We might as well do it for everybody, right? We might as well make sure that we are compliant with everybody. So maybe it'll happen a little faster than I'm thinking. I mean, it might. We, we don't really know exactly how exactly it's going to uh, come into play. I have a lot more hope kind of after watching The Social Dilemma and then researching some of the data privacy uh, laws that are kind of coming up. But, but it's still, I mean, if essentially though, businesses 
like social or uh, social media businesses and like Google, they are not they're going to trade and make money off of our data as much as they possibly can and they're going to find loopholes. So Adrian, ever since we started watching this, you and I have both discussed like what if at some point we would run for some sort of political office, right? Um, and, you know, one of the solutions that we've thought of throughout this is that perhaps there needs to be kind of a wave of younger people entering um, lawmaking. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Because I think that the the experience, the, the speed at which the internet has changed culture is kind of calling for this new representation that kind of needs to happen in order for people to really be regulating the world that people are actually living in. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So maybe that's self-centered because I just want, you know, Spry to turn into a nice little um, feeding ground for a new legislature <laughs> or new lawmakers. Um but but regardless of that, I think that having a younger subset of people entering lawmaking would significantly change the focus uh, to be more towards regulating some of this social media issues. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. I mean, if you think about it, uh, just the just with political ads right now, I mean, political ads with uh, Facebook, I, I feel like. I mean, I, I don't know that there are advertising rules for political campaigning, uh, but digitally, I mean, they're, Facebook is kind of implementing their own rules. They're kind of like, yeah, they're kind of um, doing it on their own. And not to say that they're doing like a bad job or a good job, because honestly, I mean, it's kind of like uh, after 2016 and um, just the threat of of uh you know bots and 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 any sort of you know outside threat on onto our uh election system and and swaying the vote or whatever basically congress was like please fix this mark we don't know how but please fix it because they don't know how it works and so he has exactly. to they can't even <laughs> so they can't even make laws about it because they don't understand it enough right so it's like yeah. this this was a problem you need to fix this versus this was a problem here are the things you need to put in place to fix this exactly and they and they might have i don't know i mean I, I should probably read the laws there's a lot of things i should read but but it's definitely like the it's very reactionary Right. It's very reactionary. As opposed to proactive. Yes, exactly. Which which actually, as I read through the bios of the FCC, the person who is like the president of the FCC right now or the board chair, I don't remember exactly what the title is called, but they actually said that one of their main focuses is not to be proactive, that the market would adjust to account for the needed regulation that it would be you know the consumer almost consumer responsibility just to, to regulate um and i don't know that's all fine and good but like when you have an addiction to dopamine based on what you're using you you know people i don't know maybe people are addicted i do have lots of adults who watch tv news all day so maybe they're addicted to that too yeah but it is a little bit of a different sense when the device that delivers your news is in your pocket all day or on your wrist all day and the connection that you have to that and um 
I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be a it's yeah. it's a debate about whether that's something that could be consumer regulated based on market choices. But I mean, they regulate cigarettes, right? Because they're addictive. Yep. And so there's this government regulation that goes on to that versus you know, social media. Imagine if if every time you opened it up, there was a little pop up right there. This this could be dangerous for your health. Also, what you read here is probably only half true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other thing too is that you know they not only can they you know not only is there a free market. I mean, this product is not social media is not like you know building a new piece of furniture or you know it's not like creating something creative like a song like a new song for a new artist it's not um it's not you know creating i don't know a new sofa or a new tool it's not an inanimate tool that is used social media is not just a product it's not a product that you can pick up and use whenever it is active it is active in the relationship between the person who is using it and the company that is basically deploying it on you. So, so basically, I mean, yes, I guess it's a question of, you know, f- you know, free market and, and, you know, having products and services that can, you know, regulate themselves or, or whatever. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that these companies are making more money off of the people by collecting data, by addicting and, them, uh, by addicting us, by playing mind games, by coming up with all, they deploy squadrons of human behavior scientists on us. You know, um, people who are designing the the latest screwdriver don't do that. (laughs) Don't do it. They don't do it. Um, But then this also comes into play. If you think about, if you extrapolate off of the social media, okay, and, and social dilemma and you think about all the other things that our phones record from us our health data our when we're driving in cars that have computer or full computers can record our driving data oh absolutely so now those are both data points that they can be sent to your insurance companies immediately right they could be Mm -hmm. hacked you know there somebody could reveal their whole you know uh, health insurance history with a click of a button somewhere so there's also kind of HIPAA there's HIPAA laws there are just there's just privacy laws in in place for a reason and I don't think I don't think everyone really understands completely like you have social media but you also have these other things that the internet of things is recording (laughs) yes and tracking you and Picking up on patterns, um, all the camera devices, the ring cameras that r- record people, they record patterns. Mm, they pick up on patterns. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. You know, these and computers are creatures of of math and habit and probability. They're picking up on statistical. They're doing their own analysis. Um, so I'm not without ethics. Without ethics, I mean, they might have ethics, but it's just one rule, right? And and if mm-hmm. anything outside of that rule, they they can't. They don't, there's no conscience, so they don't know. You know, if anything is outside of their original program scope, they can't make a judgment. You know, just on their own, like a human can. 
So anyway, with all of this, I mean, you know, it kind of becomes overwhelming when you think about privacy, not just for social media, but for all the other things we connect to the internet and all those data points that are being collected and being monetized by companies. Because not only do these data points help them create better products, but those product, but that also helps them make more money. So it's, it's a, it's a and get line. us more addicted. Exactly. Did I say addicted yet? Addicted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very interesting to think about. Well, what I would like to say as we kind of get close to the end of this is, you know, a lot of this, the same way that legislators have a very hard time understanding the depth of what's involved in social media and data collection, most people have a really hard time understanding what it takes to actually make any sort of change in regards to law and regulation, et cetera. So our goal is and always will be to learn, 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 learn. And so if you take anything away from this whole month with us talking about the social dilemma, we hope that you take away the idea that that you should be learning about the tools that you are using and that you should be increasing your overall mindfulness of the way in which you use the tools, the way in which it affects society and start being some of those hands that are plugging the holes that are necessary to kind of move us into the next phase of understanding and regulation as a society. Love it, Lacey. Put that in your speech. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> Your acceptance speech for something. I don't know what. <laughs> okay. Well, at the end of every Sprite Space podcast episode, we like to talk about where we've been working. Adrian, have you been working anywhere interesting lately? What's what's your work situation been like lately? Well, I mean, not really. I've been working from home uh all of all of 2020 basically. Uh, but currently, I'm kind of snuggled up in bed doing this podcast. I normally do not work from bed ever. It's I, I started the habit back in April during the middle of quarantine. And I realized very quickly, I'm like, man, this is not a habit I can... I can do this. Do forever. This is not good. So I quickly cut that habit out. But right now, it's the evening. It's the end of the day. I have my favorite blanket. Got my cat right next to me. And I'm I'm just kind of doing this in bed. And it is very nice. Well, I can say, you know, half the reason that we're doing this in the evening like this is because I don't think I've been working a lot of interesting places. But, but I don't know. I just feel like this whole... Ever since school started and I've started to have to homeschool my kids and everything, um, I, I'm trying to just fit work in anywhere, anytime that I can. And so us recording a podcast at near 7 p.m. at night is like not surprising in the least because I ran social studies and ELA and we went to the duck pond for uh, PE on our bikes and, you know, trying to get all of this done right now in 2020 as a, as a parent having to homeschool your kids and run a business. It's, it's a, it's a wild time. I know it is for everybody. Yeah, so you're doing great. I'm very proud of you. <sighs> Thank you. The community of people who are experiencing something similar is very helpful. Yeah, that's true. We're on it together. Okay, well, if you enjoyed this content and you want to hear more, um, you know, we have all of the four weeks of podcasts on The Social Dilemma uh, that led up to this podcast, if this is the first one that you've listened to. We also are going to be putting out one large piece of content on this that's basically a social media agency's response to The Social Dilemma. So that'll come up on our website and... Um, 
we'll post it a few other places as well. But watch The Social Dilemma if you haven't. And next week on the podcast, we're actually, we're kind of taking a break from our normal content. And we're talking about what an election does for social media. Mm -hmm. So as a social media manager, if you're experiencing things that are very different in your analytics, um, if you're experiencing new bans, new hacking issues, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And Adrian and I are going to spend a a half hour or so talking about what an election does to social media content. So tune in for that too. All right. Well, thank you, Adrian, so much as always for your um, wonderful brain and bringing your smart brain to the podcast. And thank you, those of you who came in and listened. We hope you have a great rest of your day and we hope that you keep learning. Yep. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.